For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening. That means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Patrick. So Patrick, I hope all is well, my friends. How have you been since we last spoke? Oh, brilliant. The Conte era is well and truly upon us. So yeah, I'm feeling good. Blessed to be here with Tans and my, and my bro Ryan. So yeah, let's get on, man. Let's get cracking. Well, don't re- reveal the big surprise just yet, Patrick, because also, <laughs> of course, we've got Ryan, our new signing. Ryan, how are you, my friend? Very good, Dan. Thank you. Always good to be on on a Monday. Thank God international break is over and we can uh, talk Spurs again. Absolutely. There's none of them till March. We're in the clear, thankfully. And also, as Patrick has just alluded to, we've got another debut this evening. It's Tanya. Tanya, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I hope you're ready to chat all things Spurs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Pleasure to be on, Dan. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into this one. As Patrick said, Conte era is upon us. Antonio! There we go. Look, the energy's bubbling already. So before we chat, Antonio and everything else, let's do the social media bits. Otherwise, we'll be talking into that vast space in the internet on our own. So as always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at CRS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is a return to Premier League action after the international break. As I say, they're all done. They're clear. And Patrick, if ever the footballing cliche, a game of two halves was apparent, then I guess Sunday was the perfect example. A perfect example. I mean, the first half, we were diabolical. And Leeds, you know Leeds, what they're about. Energy, pressing, relentlessness. Um, they played their game plan to a T. They had uh, Calvin Phillips who by trade is a defensive midfielder and he literally sat on Harry Kane's ass all for the first half. No matter where Kane went, he was a shadow. He just followed him and it really threw us off. So we didn't really know what we were doing. And then literally halftime came, booze rang out around the stadium and I was thinking, wow, another half without a shot on target again. I was thinking, fuck, this is going to be a long second half. But Antonio came out, put a rocket up their ass and then second half, we saw a completely different Tottenham. Literally from the first 20 or 30 seconds, Harry Kane should have had a goal. So you could see the hunger and the desire was there. And yeah, we literally took the game to them. A game of two halves, completely outplayed them in the second half. And um, to be fair, off the balance of the whole game, I'd say we were deserved winners. Um, a bit annoyed that it came to that. But then to be fair, we got the win. Baby steps, I guess. Um, but yeah, really pleased with that second half performance. Now, obviously, Ryan, as Patrick has just said, it's three points in the end, so let's not be doom and gloom about it. It was a shaky first 45, a much better second 45. But did you watch that first 45 and think, hang on, we've changed our manager. This is no different. So where was it going wrong? Was it more a case that Leeds just nailed their master plan in that first 45 minutes? Or did we just not turn up? Well, we didn't turn up really, but why? I think it was... Bielsa's tactics probably threw us a bit. Obviously, like Patrick mentioned, Calvin Phillips just then, it was every player that they had on the pitch seemed to man-mark a certain player. So, Phillips had Kane. I think his striker, his name is a centre-back. He was on Lucas Moura all game. So, I think it just threw us for a loop a little bit. But 
that's why we're so blessed now to have a manager like this who can get in at half time, not give him the air dry treatment, but actually change the tactics himself at half time to make it work better for us. And as soon as we come out in that second half, we look like a completely different team. It was like chalk and cheese in that first half. I mean, at the uh, half-time whistle, I was like my four-year-old daughter. I was mood air, strop air, as if I'd been told I couldn't have no ice cream. I wasn't talking to nobody. I was absolutely livid. But then come second mm-hmm. half, like say after the first first minute when Kane got in, hit the post, you think, all right, now we're actually starting to make strides. We're actually getting the ball, getting on the front foot, moving the ball forward and actually going at Leeds. The first half, we gave them too much time we we let them we lost every first second ball that we went for but I think we'll probably see quite a bit of that over the next few games I think it's going to take Conte a while to get his tactics across to them fuller before they understand it might take a half-time team talk to change it we've just got to hope that we're not too far behind after the first half to change it this is it, Tanya. You don't want to be always in that position where you have to fire a rocket. As Ryan says, it's fantastic we have got a manager who can do that and make changes that are actually going to change a game. But there is a point where the players are going to have to take responsibility from the first whistle, not the second half one. So do you think there's a sense that yesterday the players were a bit overwhelmed with the whole kind of circumstance around the game, it being the first Premier League game for Conte, that kind of expectation from fans also, like this is the birth of the new era. Obviously, we had the... Europa Conference League to sort of get a taste of it, but you know it starts as of Sunday. Just happened. Do you think it's that whole occasion and the players were a little bit flat because of that? Potentially, um, but I think it's not sustainable to not play well no. in that first half. We we have to come out all guns blazing from minute one, and that's kind of what I was expecting. If you look at that lead side, you know they had no Rafinha, they had no Bamford. So I was expecting us to start quite confidently and have most of the ball, but I think Ryan and, and Pat have alluded to it already, but, you know, we couldn't string five passes together. I was honestly just ripping my hair out watching it. I was just so frustrated with us, you know. It was very difficult for us to create any sort of chance in that game. Leeds were just hounding us like dogs. But again, it shouldn't have to take us to go a goal down for us to you know, get our asses into gear in the second half. But as we've already said, Conte, he's obviously really got into them in that second half. And it was, you know, a complete, you know, game of two halves. We come out in that second half, a lot more energy, a lot more urgency, a lot more effort, which again, I shouldn't be talking about effort. You know, we should be showing effort for the full 90 minutes. Yeah. But yeah, look, Conte needs time. I mean, I was going ballistic and I had to kind of, sit down with myself and say, you know, Conte's not been here that long. And a lot of these players are playing in a new system as well. We're playing different formations. So he needs time. And we've got the three points in the end, but definitely need to improve. He's got a lot of work to do. Well, let me stay with you, Tanya, because obviously we've not spoken on this podcast at all. And I'd like to, yeah. get, I'd like to get your take on the appointment. It's probably a no-brainer in terms of the answer, but we got there in the end, I think, is the general consensus. Now mm-hmm. we're there. Can positive things happen in the context of this season? You know, is that too early for change to happen? I don't know what success would be the measure. I don't know if that's top six, top four, dare I say. A cup, what do you reckon? 
I mean, Omni appointment, first of all, absolutely buzzing. I wanted him in the summer. I yeah. think every Spurs fan wanted him in the summer. We were so close. And when it all collapsed, I was absolutely gutted. And from that point, I just knew that any appointment would be underwhelming because we were linked with Antonio Conte. But absolutely delighted. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for Nuno. I kind of saw it coming, really, with how the results were going. But I didn't think for a minute that we'd get a manager like Conte. I don't know what masterclass Levy <laughs> and Paratici pulled off, but it, it's obviously worked. And look, the expectation, I think we have to be realistic. You know, we've still got players, in my opinion, that aren't good enough. I think we need to see what happens in January. I think Conte still needs better players. But I definitely think we'll improve. We'll see better performances with time. And who knows? I think we could win the Conference League with Conte. He's a proven winner. You know, he'll get players um, playing better. I mean, he's known for making average players better. And hopefully we can get players like Winks. I mean, Winks didn't play that great. But Delhi, players that you don't really expect to get to play well. I think he can he can motivate um, this side and get us playing better football and just get us winning games. I just want to see us win games at the minute. But yeah, I'm, I love Conte. I love the passion. I mean, we all saw it after the game. I'm, I'm just besotted. Like, I'm honestly in love with the guy. He's absolutely great. So, yeah, he can only do good for us. He's going to expect absolutely everything from the Spurs players. He's a winner. I don't even think he's going to want to settle for, for a fifth-place finish. I think in his head he wants top four. And whether that's attainable, we don't know. But I think we should definitely be optimistic with Conte. So, Patrick, let's kind of debunk a theory or ask a question why Antonio Conte is just as much ex-Chelsea as Jose Mourinho when Jose Mourinho did bad things as a top manager the ex-Chelsea brush would always come to light wouldn't it oh he's ex-Chelsea blah 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 why is that love affair with Conte being much more universal in terms of that appointment what's different well let's be honest Conte is a manager who's world class and he's at the pomp literally he's at the peak of his powers when Jose came to Tottenham yes we knew he was a serial winner and we all said to ourselves, oh, he's won trophies everywhere he's been, ready, ready. But we knew, if we're being honest, that he was a kind of past his peak, a bit washed up. And we knew Jose Mourinho was toxic as well, to a degree. Conte, yes, we know he can throw his toys out the pram. And if things don't go his way, he can basically be a bit of an arsehole. But Conte, we know, is a world-class manager. And if you buy into his system and listen to what he says and does and, and, and back him up, the results are proven. Everywhere he's been, he's basically elevated that team and won in his first or second season. So there's difference. And obviously the magnetism of Conte, just how he, you know, gets the crowd on side, how he gets the players riled up. You can see it. He's a, he's, a, he's so passionate about football and we know he's a proven winner. So we just need to trust in him. And um, even, I mean, I'll give you an example. When I saw Harry Winks' name on the team sheet, if that was Jose Mourinho or Nuno who had named Harry Winks in the starting eleven, I would have lost my. I would have been going crazy. Mm. Yeah. But when I saw when I saw Conte, now, I was like, you know what? I trust Conte, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Harry Winks must be, you know, must have turned the corner, must be doing better in training. Maybe he trusts Harry Winks, and we can see something that we've not seen before. And to be fair to Harry Winks, he, I didn't. I wouldn't say he had an amazing game, but he was much better than what I've seen in recent weeks or months mm. or even that's, in the last year a, or that's so. That's from a low base though, Patrick. You've got to remember, do you know what I mean? Like, I know, yeah. I know, I know, but... <laughs> he was better than Hoybier though, I'll say that. I thought Hoybier was actually worse than Winks, to be fair, and I'm no Winks fan. 
I thought Hoiberg was all right. He didn't have his best game, but to be fair, he got a crucial goal. So, uh, you know, we've got to give him, cut him a mm. bit of slack. Um, I don't know. I mean, as you know, as as, as good as, as Conte was, the players in the first half were atrocious. Like, even Lucas, who I love because he never goes hiding, the ball kept bouncing off him, hitting the shins, bobbling out. He's running with the ball. He's losing it. You know, he's almost like the headless chicken, Lucas Moura. We either get one or the other. And... um. Stuff like that you can't legislate for, no matter how good of a manager you are. So, yeah, it, but I do trust Nuno. Going back to your question, I trust Nuno. Um, Nuno. Nuno trust Nuno. Well, Nuno, oh, sorry. Mate. Yeah, I was going to say, Nuno, what's going on here? Sorry, sorry I've had a bit of a brain fart, but no, I just... Yeah, so... Clip that, edit that. No, no, that's staying in, Patrick. That's staying in, my friend. But no, yeah, no, I trust Conte um, with all my heart. Um, we know what he's capable of. Um, yes, he's ex-Chelsea, but to be fair, none of us care. We just want the best. And to be fair, Conte was the best appointment out there. And as much as I dislike Levy and how he's handled certain things, you've got to give him his credit. He saw that Nuno wasn't doing well, chopped him, and we got the best manager out. There was no messing about. Within a couple of days, boom, we had, you know, the most, yeah, the best, the most decorated, the best manager. One of the top five managers in the world is now at Tottenham. It's like, it's still, you know, I've got to pinch myself at some point. So it will take time. Things don't happen overnight. And we've also got to put into context, like Tanzan is saying, he's only been here three weeks. So we also got to cut him some slack. And it's still the same players. So, yeah, but we're seeing slow improvements and, um, yeah, top four is still up for grabs, man. I mean, with everything that's going on at Man United and other teams dropping out, um, as long as we keep pushing, we've just got to see where, where the chips land. Right, in terms of the half-time, the noise from the fans, jeers, are they warranted when your team's only 1-0 down? Or was the performance in that first 45 so bad that Spurs fans also needed to send their own kind of message? Yeah, I've said this to you on the uh, show before, that with it, we're the type of fans not to hold anything back. So when we feel let down by the players, when we feel like they're not putting in the effort that every paying fan wants to see and deserves to see, then we will let them know. I think they know that the jeers and the boos weren't aimed at Conte. They weren't aimed at his uh, decisions, his team selection. They were purely aimed at the, the lacklustre performance that every player that played that first half put in so I, I think that's something that Conte probably used to his advantage in the half-time team talk obviously to let him know that you've just walked off the pitch with 55 60,000 fans booing you it's it's obviously not acceptable but at the same time it's something they've got to expect it don't matter if it's a conference league game a Premier League game Carabao Cup if we as fans feel like, we're not getting the money's worth that we should be getting from the players that we've got, then we will voice our opinion, we will let them know and we'll tell them exactly what it is we feel like they need to hear. If we give them a round of applause off in that first half, I, I can't see as big a change happening. I know Conte would have changed it in some way, but you've got to feel like the the opinions of your fans in your own stadium will really drive you on in that second half. If it doesn't, then you shouldn't be there. It's not worth your time. If the fans' opinion doesn't give you a kick up the arse, then what's the point in 
playing for this club, you might as well tell the manager, look, take me off. I'm not I'm not in the mood, I'm not motivated, I'm not I really couldn't care what they think then that's a player you don't need. So they deserve the booze a hundred percent because that first half was probably one of the worst halves we've had this season. That was the Nuno era, so no matter what, no matter who the manager is, they're always going to get the booze if it's a half that bad. Well, Ron, I'll stay with you because those boos by and large came because we were 1-0 down. A goal that comes from Dan James. Now, it's, I guess, when you look at the build-up of the goal, is Emerson Royal a little bit guilty for not being stronger because Jack Harrison bullies him out wide. It's a great ball. It's inch perfect. It's that kind of ball that no defender wants to deal with because it's that uncertainty if I put my foot through it, it might go in the goal itself. So, who's to blame if there's any blame there? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably give Emerson the biggest blame of it. I think he is the new modern fullback, to be honest, and not as strong defensively as you used to get with players like uh, Cafu or like Gary Neville. But they are more interested in getting forward, putting crosses into the box, getting at the end of crosses. So I would put the blame at Emerson, but I do feel like it just shows how good a defender Romero is covering that side because he is obviously the right hand of the three centre-backs so it does show obviously the game against Everton that Romero was in it just shows how strong of a defender he actually is and how good we've got it with him at the back because he can read the game he's not slow he can keep up and he will cover Emerson as as much as Emerson gets forward and maybe he's a bit slow getting back sometimes or a bit weak in the challenge he will feel comfortable knowing that he's got Emerson, um, that he's got Romero behind him. But I do think yesterday that, as much as I don't think he's good enough for us, I do think that was probably Dyer's strongest game this season. I thought it was really, really solid at the centre of that defence. And I've said it before, he is, as much as his game doesn't show his talent, he is very commanding. He's, he's a leader in that defence. So I think that will help someone like Emerson, brand new to the club, new to the league, still getting used to the physicality of it all and the speed. So I do feel like we're a bit lucky in that case. Now, if we can get another centre-back in January to go straight in with Romero at the back, then I don't think we'll have to worry about any of our full-backs this season. Well, I was going to ask Tanya the same question about Eric Dyer. As Ryan says, I think it was one of the better games he's had this season. Maybe the best. Is that an opinion you would share? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not biggest I'm not Eric Dyer's biggest fan. I've called him every name of under the sign. I've called him Eric Diarrhea. I've called him all sorts because the, the guy drives me absolutely insane. We all know that he's got these moments where he just costs us so many games through defensive errors. But I have to say he has probably been our best defender up there with Romero for me. And look, I'm all I'm all for that. I'm all for it. If if Conte can come in and improve and improve some of our worser players, then I I can't really complain. But even under Nuno I thought Dyer was was a good was playing well, sorry. So yeah, I, I have to say I agree. Um I can't really fault him at the moment. He's looked very solid. Patrick, one of the better signs we saw from Dyer yesterday, that being Sunday of course, was ball carrying from the back out of possession. Is that an early sign that Conte's influence is already dripping down to one of the players. 
Yeah, I was really impressed with that side of him, to be honest. I know when he first did it, there was a few jeers and like, what the hell's going on type of thing from, from the stadium. But as he did it and showed his confidence, then we were like, cool. And um, obviously the, 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 the Leeds players didn't expect that. So he was essentially an extra body in attack. And, um, you know, Eric Dyer, for all of his faults, he is a talented player. Um, we've seen him, you know, play a number of positions. We've seen him play well at the World Cup a couple of years ago, scoring free kicks, uh, you know, dominating games in that sense. I know he's not been good for us. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's a good player right now, but he does have some good traits. And, um, yeah, um, I was impressed with that side of his game. Um, and that just goes down to the manager telling these guys, stop being cowards progress the ball, push it forward. None of this side to side and going backwards crap. Push the ball forward and actually, you know, cause some problems, get at these guys. And um, Dyer did that, to be fair. And um, yeah, it's definitely one of the better games I've, I've seen him have. The thing with Eric Dyer is that we don't want to get too confident and, you know, almost like not complacent, but mm. believe in it because the next game, he have yeah. a howler, he let someone run across him, fall asleep at the front post. You know, just the silly things that we see that, even 10 or 11-year-olds, if they did that, you'd be screaming at them. That's the thing with Eric Dyer. He can have a great game, and then the next game, he let someone beat him in the air. It's just these things that you just wouldn't expect a professional Premier League player who's got even international experience do. So, you know, I take it game by game, but, you know, give him his credit where it's due, give him his flowers, because he was really good yesterday. Um, and, yeah, long may it continue. Conte can get this side out of him, um, and hopefully he could be the partner with Romero until... The January window is, you know, open and closed. Well, Ryan, if that's the Conte effect in action, I'd love to know what the Conte effect in action at half-time was. Our regular contributor, Jonathan, asks, do you reckon it was a, a quiet word with the players? Like, a you know, a nice gentle chat? Or do you reckon it was a bit more of a, a rocket, kicking the cat, throwing the teacups kind of chat? What do you reckon? Oh, I, don't, I don't know what to think because the energy that the man's got, you can imagine his quiet chat to actually be quite volcanic as well so I don't I don't think he would have gone absolutely mad at him at half time he would have got his points across but I think some of these players are like the modern day players they're soft if they get told off at half time they'll come out even worse in the second half so I think you've got a baby quite a lot of them so I do think at the minute we're still trying to get to know the players understand what they're like and how they will react to different uh, methods at half-time. I think it's probably just a quiet talk at the minute. I think he's just just getting his tactics across to him, just reminding them what they've got to do. So I think he'll be all right after that. Well, I guess like anything, it's not how you say it, it's what you're saying, isn't it? You know, you could be the most eloquent person, but if your words are nonsense and they're not resonate with the players, it means absolutely nothing. So whether he's throwing teacups or just being as calm as you like, it's kind of, it's all about what you're message you're trying to say really so you'd love to be able to fly on the wall wouldn't you well we were joining a all or nothing documentary but we won't have that luxury of, with Conte not for well not for a while just yet but Tanya in terms of I guess this is an impossible question to answer because we'll never know the circumstance but if Nuno's in charge we're 1-0 down at the interval we're never getting that back are we absolutely not I mean <laughs> I tweeted this I think you know if, if we did have Nuno or Jose I honestly don't see us coming back from it I really don't and I think with Nuno especially I just felt that the players didn't believe in Nuno I don't yeah. think they were inspired by Nuno and I just I believe that a manager like Conte 
you are going to listen to every word. And I know we could say that about Jose, but I think Pat said it, you know, for me, Jose wasn't at that level anymore. I actually think he was a finished manager. But this is a manager. He's fresh off winning the Serie A, for goodness sake. I mean, if you're not going to listen to him, who are you going to listen to? So, yeah, I, I honestly think Conte was the game changer for us. Absolutely. We wouldn't have won that game under Nuno or Jose. Absolutely not. Well, that said, Patrick... As we sort of saw, it was from the first few seconds, it was kitchen sink football. You know, the kind of franticness that you would usually see in the 88th minute when you're trying everything to get an equaliser. So that's the kind of, you know, the rocket has been fired straight away. Now, it didn't come goal straight away, but you've got, as I say, this sort of frantic energy, players running into each other, the ball pigging about everywhere. It's kind of, it's not the football you want to see all the time, but it does remind you, actually, this football is quite exciting. It certainly gave the crowd a lift after offering jeers just minutes before. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I mean, um, yeah, it was frantic, but we showed some desire and we showed some passion. And literally from the 45th minute onwards, so from the 46th minute onwards, we showed a hunger to get back into that game. We didn't leave it to the last 10 minutes like you sometimes see teams do or the last eight minutes or seven minutes when you know you're back against the wall. From minute 46, we were onto them and it was, you know, desire passion, energy levels 100% crept up, but also the quality that, that, that final third, the, you know, the passing, uh, keeping the ball, moving it around, everything increased dramatically. And uh, like I said earlier, I think we were good credit for the win on the overall balance of, of, of uh, the performance. Um, and yeah, that's just Conte, literally, uh, like you were saying, um, Dan, uh, if you can't, if you won't listen to Conte, a world-class manager who's won things everywhere and in many different leagues, who will you listen to? And uh, the players believe in him. You can see that. And I hate to say it. I mean, it shouldn't get to this. They're professional players. They should be playing for the badge. They should be playing for their name. They should be that. That should come automatically, but it doesn't in today's modern era. So yeah, you get a world class manager, and these guys will listen, especially when they're proven. Nuno, you can see none of the guys believed in him. Even to this day, I've not seen one farewell message no like good luck gaffer or you taught me something or it was a pleasure being around you not one guy has come out and said that to Nuno so that just goes to show literally these guys didn't believe in him and almost didn't like him so with Conte now and I know a few rival fans bantered as oh it's only Leeds you lot celebrating like you won the cup or won the league but it just goes to show three points every point is so crucial and we may look back at this and say you know what this was the turning point this was the game that really showed these guys that you know they can believe in a manager and if they listen to him and execute his plans, you can go on to win things. So yeah, let's um let's see how and um, what happens later on down the line. But it was great to see. It was great to see Conte at the end of the game, you know, rallying up the the fans, literally, you know, so energetic and passionate on the sidelines. We've not seen that in a while. So it was great to see that. We literally got our own version of Jurgen Klopp and I love it. Right, in terms of Conte's plans yesterday. Were you impressed in the fact that second half, the defence were playing much further up the pitch? We were squeezing leads, how they were squeezing us in the first half. You could see a real shift change from minute one. Oh, massively, yeah. It's um, it's as if, obviously, he's gone straight in at half-time and he's spotted exactly how Leeds are playing, Leeds' tactics, what Bielsa wants from them, and he's switched it straight on them. I mean, when you watch the game back in the first half, he was our usual self was slow. We had too many touches on the ball. We literally allowed a Leeds player to come and uh, track us down, get the ball off us, and then they would hit us on the attack. But second half, it was one, two touches. Eric Dyer 
getting forward with the ball, actually making space for midfielders. It was like it was a whole new team, a whole new set of tactics that we had gone out with, and it it does show that these players have got the capability to play this football. And like Tanya said earlier, it's not sustainable football. You don't want to see it every weekend because it's it's just not going to happen. But in games that you need it, like against the Leeds who have always got that energy, will always press you off for the 90 minutes of the game. They'll always put you in danger, especially when you've got the ball in your own half. But, I mean, that's that's Conte's obviously first home league game of the season. He's already been away to Goodison Park, but that is now the second straight game that we have outrun our opponents. And I don't think we had actually outrun an opponent under Nuno in his 10 games in charge. So you can see the difference already. You can see the style that Nuno won. Uh, Nuno, I'm like Patrick now, like Conte won. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> Conte. It's the Conte era, not Newman. Right, yes. See <laughs> what he wants. You can see what he's working on in training. You can see the effort that the players are going to put in for him to actually fight for every three points. And like Pat's just said, top four, it is still open. Obviously, West Ham lost their game. Arsenal lost. I mean, Wolves have had the shocking start. I think they're sixth now, I believe. I'm sure Wolves have gone up to sixth now. So it does show you that a good run of form like Wolves have had, they've gone straight up the table. And the games we've got now, you shouldn't see us losing those games. So I think we've brought in the best manager to get the wins out of these games. And now it is just up to the players to actually show that they want to fight for this manager. They want to fight for the fans, for the badge, for the entire club. And hopefully we can get them points and start moving up the table now. Right. Ryan and Patrick, there's a Nuno jar. Like a swear jar. Every time you say his name instead of Conte, <laughs> you'll find a, a pound from now on. That's across the yeah, season. So yeah. You've been warned. Yeah, but Tanya, yeah, yeah. there were certainly mixed emotions when we got our equaliser. Jubilation from the crowd, but not from the player who scored it. Now, he looked really grumpy, but do you want to see that sometimes? If to say, come on, chaps, the job's not done yet. We've been quite poor up until now, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Let's dig in and get that winner. Yeah, absolutely. I love that about Hoybier. I mean, the Viking, you know, we. I think he's definitely a favourite among the fans because he's kind of like a Conte. He's got so much energy and passion and... I will always say he's a player, in my opinion, that always fights for the badge from what I've seen of him so far at Tottenham. But yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I said it before and I, I could be a bit harsh because he did get us the goal, but I don't think it was Hoybier's best game. And no, I don't no. know if he was probably thinking that, you know, I've got the goal, but I've not been playing too great. And, you know, we're still under the cosh a bit. We've got to calm down and try and get the second goal for the winner because the players are aware that we didn't play well. Um First half isn't good enough, but like Ryan said, you know, the contrast, that second half, the stats. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it on Sky Sports. You know, we had more attempts on goal, two in the first half, 11 in the second. You know, no shots on target in the first half. And then we had four, which is like an achievement for us because <laughs> we've had no shots. I mean, it could still be better, but four shots on target in the second half. So, yeah, I think I think Hoybier just, you know, thought we got a get the winner now. But yeah, absolutely love that mentality. And it was a good finish from him, to be fair. 
oh yeah, well taken. You know, it's not a striker, mm-hmm. is he? Just right person, no, right, right time, and you know that sort of sets the tempo for what's to come later. But Tanya, I'll stay with you because obviously he's part of a two-man midfield against Leeds. The next person being Harry Winks. We kind of touched on it earlier in the show, but what did you make of his performance? Only his second league start, I think. So again, not a great deal to work with in terms of comparisons and what we have seen hasn't been great. But can Conte get a tune out of this player? Yeah, I mean, again, Winks isn't my favourite player, I'll be honest. I just don't think he's good enough um, for Spurs, in my opinion. I don't think he played badly, but there were a couple of moments where he was losing the ball and I thought, oh God, here we go, here we go. That's the that's the Winksy that we all know and love. But look, I, I, I think Conte can maybe get a tune out of him, but I would ideally like us to strengthen our midfield. I think that's an area that I would look at in, in January. And I think Winks is probably one of the players I would personally move on because I think really and truly he wouldn't have played if, if Skip was able to play. So... He kind of was forced to play him, but look, if he if he wants to play for Spurs, which I believe he does, you know, he wants to still be at this football club and Conte believes in him, I believe in it. Like Pat said, you know, in Conte we trust. I I I wholeheartedly believe that Conte knows what he's doing. So if he thinks Winks is the player and he thinks that he can get him playing better, then I'm all for it. So yeah, but for me, I do think that Winks isn't good enough. And if we were to sell him, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> well, this is it, Ryan. You know, Harry Winks wants to play for Tottenham. I want to play for Tottenham, but I can't play for Tottenham because I'm not good enough. Is Winks kind of <laughs> saved by the fact that he's academy and he's one of our own and he gets a bit more of a pass? But do we have to just accept that, you know, he's not going to go anywhere till January because he can't. But is this really the time that actually, if we are going to have this clear out and be a bit harsh, that... Players do have to leave, and he's probably near or at the top of the list. Yeah, definitely. He's had many chances now, Harry Winks. I think again, it's just a prime example of a player like Oliver Skip. Obviously, he's, he's in the same mould as Winks. He came through the youth club. He's been out on loan. He's come back now. And he's had a good start to the season. Obviously, he's had shaky moments uh, playing under Nuno. But now Conte's in. I think he will thrive as well. I think he will learn a lot, not just from Conte, but playing alongside Hoiberg. But the likes of Harry Winks, if picked when Skip's not there, has to go into that game feeling like this is his chance now to put in a 9 or 10 out of 10 performance. I know it's easier said than done, but we've seen his talent before. We know he's got the talent to get the ball and move the ball, not mess around with it. But at the minute, it's as if it's just his entire confidence is just gone. There's nothing about him that screams on the pitch that when he gets the ball, you feel like, all right, it's right now Winks has got the ball. Something could happen. He could play that killer pass. He could he could put someone through on goal, or he could just he could just do one of them turns that he used to do and just get you out of trouble and get you on the attack. But Skip's got nothing to worry about, and it's the same for every other player, to be honest. Like. Deli Ali, whenever he, he he'll probably be given a chance on Thursday in the Conference League. Yes, it's weaker opposition that you expect to beat, but it's still something to prove to the manager that okay, he's understanding what I want from him. He's putting in the effort I've asked of him. He's in the positions I need him to be in, so he could be right for the next league game. These, these are what these players have got to start thinking about now because it's a new manager. 
it's a new chance again. Every player gets a fresh chance under a new manager. And the likes of Winks and Delhi, they've had two weeks or ten ten days, two weeks with Conte at the training ground now. They've had the benefit that the Canes and the Sons and the Emersons haven't had while being away on international duty. So they should understand more what Conte wants. They should understand what they need to do now to get in the side. But if obviously reports are true, then I think I've read that Newcastle would want both Winks and Delhi. Now, now they're obviously billionaires. You just hope that Levy don't see too many pound signs and prices out of a move. But if Newcastle offered decent money for one of them, then yeah, get them gone. And like Tan said, you can improve the midfield position. You can have a player who can rotate with a Hoiberg and a skip or you can go straight to the defensive area or you can go all out for Vlahovic if you're a Fiorentina striker and get another striker in. But we know what Levy is like. He will want funds in before he gives too much out. I think Conte will probably get one or two players in before we sell someone just for that good bit of faith. But if Newcastle come in with a... It's hard to really put his English, obviously. He's not old wink, so you know they're going to probably look at 30 million for him. So if someone comes in with something even close to that, you've got to snap their hands off and just say, look, thanks for everything you've done. We'll always appreciate you. You're a Tottenham man through and through. Good luck with the rest of your career. Well, that's absolutely right. But I guess that in any day and age where Harry Winks goes to anyone for 30 million, you know football's trying to eat itself from the inside. But Patrick, I guess you can ask the same question about Deli Ali, Giovanni Lo Celso, Tangi Ndombele, you know, all these midfielders that are there or thereabouts and not hitting their own peaks. The door is open with a new manager, it always is, but there's a limited time frame for them to show what they're all about. And if they don't show what they're all about, they will be off. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as Tottenham fans, I think we've been a bit too sentimental um, with some of our players. Like, yeah, we want the best for our players, but... As a fan base who are trying to strive for top four and consistently challenge for trophies and be at the top, you know, upper echelons of the of the league, we need to be more ruthless. Chelsea, Liverpool to a degree, even Man United, when it's time to chop a player, you get rid. We seem to hold on to players for too long and then we get your, you know, your Dele Alley and your Harry Wink situations. And like Ryan saying, if we're getting twenty off of twenty mil or more for any of these guys as in Harry Winks or Dele Alley, we've got to take it. And then we can use those funds, add a bit more on top. And getting some quality that can really make a difference. Because, unfortunately, it seems like we've seen what these guys can do. And at the moment, it's not enough and it's not good enough. Of course, we're trusting Conte. We believe that Conte can get the best out of these guys. These guys should up their game for a world-class manager. But we've been here time and time again. So, to be fair, it's probably best we do cut ties and move these guys on. But your Lacelsos and uh, Dombele's, I do want to see a bit more of them before I make my judgment on them. Uh, we both, we know both have got abundance in talent. Uh, we definitely need to see it more. We've seen a bit of Tangi in in in, in you know in spurts. Lacelso we haven't. We keep seeing him play well for Argentina. Or whenever I you know I pick up my phone and late at night and he's had an international game, he's getting man of the match nines and tens out of tens with all these top players on the pitch. But we never seem to see that when he's in a Spurs shirt. We need to see it in a Spurs shirt now. Because, I mean, we, you know, we had the chance of Bruno or, or um, Lo Celso. We went for Lo Celso and people don't, were saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people were saying that we, we did the right thing. He's the better player on all of this crap. And now look at the difference. So, yeah, 
I'm still hoping that there's a player in there. The jury's still out. Honestly, we need to see something. I mean, he hit the other than hit him hitting the post the other day. I've not seen anything from the Celso, um, you know, in a Premier League shirt since since that goal against Man City when he came on as a sub. Um, I think last year. So yeah, um, the jury's out on all these guys. January windows fast approaching. Um, if we don't see much of them, um, then it is time to get rid. I mean, funny enough, Conte came out at the back end of last week and said that, yes, and Dombele's talented, but we need to see more. He needs to give more to the team. This is like the third manager that's come out and said this now. So something is there. As much as he's a talented guy, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe the attitude and the application isn't there. Three or four different managers can't say the same thing and, and not to be true. So, yeah. Fingers crossed, but if they're not good enough and they're not doing what they need to do in a Spurs shirt, it is time to move them on. If we if we really have aspirations to be a top club, we need all our players singing on the same hymn sheet and also contributing when they step on onto that pitch. Well, Ryan, talking of opportunities, what did you make of Ryan Sessegnon's cameo with 11 minutes to go? Again, a small sample, but it kind of reminds you, actually, oh, yes, he's on our books. Like We have got another player to call upon. So with wing-backs being the way forward for us, you'd think under Conte, Will he be afforded more opportunities? Yeah, I think I think he will. I think I've um, I've read in some pieces, obviously during the international break and whatnot, that he's actually a big fan of Sessing Young. He was uh, keeping a keen eye on him when he was on loan at Hoffenheim last season. So he is he is much better suited to a wing back, Sessing Young. All all he needs to do now is keep fit. That's that seems to be his biggest problem at the minute. If he gets two or three games, whether that be Conference League and some minutes in the Premier League, then he always seems then to be out for four or five months and you don't see from him, you don't hear from him, you don't hear anything about him except that he's pulled up in training injured or he's got injured for England under 21. It's You forget we did spend quite a bit of money on him and like, like I said, the likes of Jack Clark and players like that, we have spent good money for their age so you do want them to succeed but I think he is going to be just like a Winks and a Delhi and a Bergvine, the Celso players like that they've now got to prove themselves to be good enough for this club because Patrick has already said like as a fan base we are quite a bit soppy with our players we're quite a bit weak with them if if we take a liking to them then Oh God forbid! If this club sells this player, I'm I'm never going to buy a shirt again. And it's we've we've got to be cutthroat with players now. If you're not good enough, or you're not contributing enough, then you will will be sold, and we will use those funds to bring somebody in that our manager thinks will fit that position better than you. I mean, like Patrick just said, Endomley. This is the fourth manager now that's come out and said he is. You you see his talent. You know how talented he is. He's technically gifted on the ball. But if he's not working hard in training, he's never going to get that game time. And he costs a record signing. You expect your record signing to be putting in Frank Lampard numbers in the Premier League from that position. You want goals. You want assists. You want work rate. But if you're not putting in the effort in training under a Conte, you never going to get game time. I mean, like I say, Sesson Young's just come back and he's been brought on before Ndombele in a Premier League game. He was Ndombele was an uh, unused sub again. You don't want your £60 million record signing 
being an unused substitute week after week. So he's another one. If an offer comes in in January, you've got to really think about it and maybe get rid. But Sessegnon is, you don't know whether he's another loan move or whether now we've reverted to the 3-5-2. Conte really does see his potential. And I do, I do hope he does because I do think he's a really good player when he stays fit. I think he's got the pace. He knows where the goal is. He, he can put in a good cross. He's not a bad defender. He's probably better defender than Regulon, to be honest. But you've just got to see more from him now. You've just got to hope that he stays fit, gets some more game time and can prove to Conte and the fans why we spent the money we did. Of course, Tanya, his replacement was for the match winner... Sorry, match winner Sergio Reguilón. And if there was ever a first time to score your first league goal for the club, then the winner against Leeds is most definitely that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Reguilón, mixed feelings about his performance. Um, although he got the goal, I don't actually think he played well either. <laughs> I know he got man of the match, but I think Reguilón's a player where there's definitely the potential, but I still want to see more from him. But I do think having Antonio Conte at the helm, it's going to do wonders for him, especially in the system that we're playing in. But it was a decent little finish from him. But as I say, I just, I do want to see more from him. And maybe, you know, having Sessignon now in the squad, giving him that competition, it might actually push him to play a lot better. But I don't doubt that he's a he's a very good player. But as I say, sometimes a little bit frustrating because there was a moment in that game, wasn't there? I can't remember who was free. Was it Emerson or was it Mora? Yes, that's it. Just, Emerson. I, I, yeah, it was Emerson. I was just like, oh, Reggie, why didn't you just make the right path? So it's those kind of moments where he needs to do a little bit better. And, and I've seen him get quite easy chances as well that he hasn't, you know, put at the back of the net. And yeah, he's, he's just a... He's a frustrating player at times, but I do love Reggie as well. He's another one. He's like a proper passion merchant. I love the celebration. Um, definitely a player that I believe will thrive under Conte. He's going to be one to watch, definitely. Oh, absolutely. You know, Conte has a track record of making wing-backs exciting and players that get further forward mm. and also get goals. So if he can open yeah. an account, as he did yesterday, when, when it really mattered... And if he can chip in with, you know, even two or three more across the course of the season, he's doing the right thing. So, as you say, hopefully the, the re-emergence of Sessegnon or just being there might light a, fun, a fire under the Spanish fullback. So, long may that continue mm-hmm. in terms of his form. But, Patrick, talk about long-continued and form. Bad form. Harry Kane in the Premier League. It just doesn't happen, does it? So, if we kind of look at his performances against Albania and San Marino, of course, they're not the same kind of level of opposition at all. But will he be frustrated that... He couldn't carry that rich vein of form over to the theatre of the Premier League. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, first half was an absolute stinker for him and pretty much all of our players. But if you looked at the second half, he definitely looked more alive. His touches were really good, to be fair. He was playing people in. I think, you know, I know it's Harry Kane and, you know, we have such high standards of him. But he had a really good second half. I know he didn't score or get an assist, but he did a lot of good things. Um his touches were magnificent. He was playing the right people into play. You know, on a on another day where people weren't fouling Lucas Moura or fouling Son, he gets a couple of assists. He was unlucky with that, you know, strike at the first, um, pretty much within the first minute of the second half. On another day that goes in. I think there was another chance he had as well where he snatched at it. But I'm starting to see Kane, you know, he looked more alive. And to be fair, under Conte, if you're not alive and you're not looking alert and you're not actually playing, 
you know, Conte will drag you no matter how big of a name you are. So I think Harry Kane knows that as well. But we did see a, a better side of him, but it's still not the Kane that we saw on international duty. And it's still not the Kane that we saw last season or, or all the other season so at the end of the day a world-class striker like him he's only going to get judged on goals and assists uh and at the moment he's not contributing in that sense but as well sonny's gone he's gone under the radar but son's not had the greatest of games in the last couple mm. three four five games Agree. no one's really talking about it but son's having stinkers left right and center as well and then when son's on international duty again he's getting man of the matches and scoring goals so I don't know what it is, man. Maybe someone's put a hex on our forwards. We need, we need to get down to the, down to the ground and cleanse it quickly. You can take charge of that, Patrick. But Ryan, in terms of Harry Kane in England, obviously there's a backlash because he's scoring goals, and you think to yourself, he can only score against who he's up against. It's not his fault that England have been paired with San Marino and Albania in the World Cup qualifying group. And at the same time, you can't blame him for wanting to beef up his England goal tally when he's so close to breaking that record. Yeah, like I say, he's, he's, he loves these goal-scoring records and it was only a matter of time. Everyone knows he's going to break Wayne Rooney's record, but there's also a Premier League record that he should be looking at as well. And he could break Alan Shearer's record with the consistency that he's been showing over the years. So as much as an England fan, yeah, I'm happy that he scores for England. When it comes to Tottenham, I'm much happier with his performances when he's scoring goals or putting uh, giving assists out. But like Pat said, second half he was a lot better. You saw the old Harry Kane in the way in his hold up play, in his uh, picking the ball up, moving the ball forward, playing the ball out wide, and for the first time in quite a while under Conte's leadership, now we're seeing him in the box a lot more at the end of crosses waiting whether it's Regulon or Emerson who's got the ball, you're actually seeing Harry Kane in the box. I mean, at at one point in the season, I forgot he was even a striker, to be honest. I thought he'd gone to DM next to Hoiberg because he was just never in the box. He just he didn't he didn't throw his body to get in the box. He didn't look interested in getting on the end of a cross. So I've I've obviously I remember an interview Conte did, I think it was during the Euros and he was quite frustrated in a studio saying a player like Harry Kane should always be in the box. He shouldn't be anywhere else but in the box. So just from that, you know where he's going to go with Kane. I mean, I think all of his goals against San Marino, I know two were penalties, but his other two were also in the box. So everyone knows how deadly Harry Kane is. Everyone knows he's top three finishers in world football. It's just that getting his confidence. There's no international football now. It is all Tottenham. So he needs to throw everything into this now. And same as Sonny, like Patrick's just said, I think the only reason he's gone under the radar is because of how bad Kane's been. So everyone's focusing on Kane. Son's getting quite lucky with all that because no one's really mentioning his bad form. So as soon as those, as soon as those two start ticking, as soon as those two get the confidence, get a couple of goals, get a couple of assists, and we could just we could become an even deadlier animal under Antonio Conte. So we just got to hope now. I thought I thought he would pick up after the Newcastle goal. I thought he would kickstart his season there, but he didn't. 
he's gone away with England again. Yes, it's easier opposition. But like you've said, Dan, no matter who you're against in football, you've still got to have the talent to put the ball into the back of the net. So we just need him now for Tottenham to pick his bottom lip up, stop sulking. You haven't moved. You're still with Tottenham now. Put in that old hurricane fight. Get that ball. Put it in the back of the net. Chase more golden boots. Chase the Premier League record. And hopefully his goals can lead us to a trophy. Well, Tanya, let's be honest. Harry Kane is so much more than a number nine. He's a number, t- you know, he's a number nine and a half. Whatever label you want to give him, he's just a complete striker. But does he not need to simplify his game and just be within the width of the posts and just allow service to come to him rather than trying to serve himself? Almost, you know, take the game back to the basics, get the goals. Surely it's that simple. Yeah, it, it should be that simple. But I do think in our in our team, we've got a massive creativity issue. And I think that's why Kane feels he has to drop so deep at times. But I do want to touch on Son as well and just the link-up play between them two. I don't know why I just have this theory that something's not quite right between them. I don't know. They're just, as I said, they're not linking up as much. And I just think it can't be a coincidence that Kane isn't playing well because Son's not playing well and Son's not playing well because Kane's not playing well. I just think both of them need to you know, get back into form, start linking up again. And of course, you know, we we can say, yeah, but he scores for England. But in my opinion, you know, look at the players he's got around him for England. You know, he's got players like Trent. You know, he's got midfielders that can get the ball into him. You know, for us, I still think as a team, we're not doing enough for Kane. But I do think Kane needs to be doing more, getting into the box and, you know, working a little bit harder. But I do agree with what the boys have said already. I think he definitely improved in that second half of course it's still not amazing um the bar's fairly low at the moment with Kane we need to see more absolutely but I do think he'll get there I mean he can't keep sulking forever like Ryan said you know he's he's not going to get his move unfortunately I don't think he'll go in January we've got Conte at the helm he's just got to get on with it and and just get get some goals because I don't think it's doing him any favors and I know he's a man of you know he likes to break records and everything else. He's just got to shake his head and just, yeah, get on with it and and perform. But I also think we need to try and accommodate him better and try and get some players that can create chances for him as well. Right. There's a certain manager who used to take charge of this club. His name was Mauricio Pochettino. He might be going to Manchester United. Patrick, do we need to just stop caring in the nicest possible way? Like, it's not our problem anymore, surely. You know, we've got a world-class manager. Yes, there are amazing times that, let's be honest, we still didn't win anything, whether that's your sort of tone of argument or not. But are you going to be that miffed, if at all, if he goes to Manchester United? Yeah, I mean, as as fans, like, you know, when I say about being ruthless with players, we've also got to be the same with ex-managers. Like, come on. You know, if Pochettino does come back at some point, so be it. But right now... We've got Conte. I mean, come on, man. Like, Conte is a world-class manager and he's levels and light years ahead of Pochettino. Like, there's no comparison between the two. And I know Poch, we love Poch. He took us to where we needed to be. We kind of lucked out with him. He grew when the club grew. He, you know, he made players like Son, Kane, Eriksson, you know, uh, Carl Walker, Danny Rose, Hugo Lloris. He made these guys household names. But... Come on, man. We've moved. Uh, we've turned that corner now, and we do need to just get on with it. And I know we all love Poch, but like we can't be mo- like we've got Conte, Pochettino, whatever he's doing, that's cool. 
I, I would rather he doesn't come to the Premier League if it's not Spurs. But at the same time, we also just need to concentrate on what we're doing here now. We've got Conte in. We need to back him. We need to actually progress forward as a club. And if I'm being real, if, if I have a choice out of Koch right now and Conte right now, I know who I'm taking. So we've actually got the better manager. Let's actually just back him and believe in him and let him take us to where we need to go. But yeah, people crying over Poch. If he goes to Man United, it's this, it's that. Like, Man United have got their own troubles. We've got our own troubles. Let's just focus on what we need to do. Like, <laughs> we've got too much going on at home to be worrying about what, you know, the next man's doing. So, yeah, with all due respect to Poch and everything that, that's happened, it's time to move on. Like, when Poch, you know, I was not, you know, I was one of the Poch out guys. I wanted Poch to be gone when he was, um, uh, you know, at the helm before he got fired. We hadn't won a, an away game for over a year. We were awful. We were stinking at the place. We got battered 8-2 by Bayern Munich. Things weren't good. Uh, you know, got beaten 3-0 by Brighton. We, there was a lot of disaster classes that people seem to just completely erase from their memory. So, you know, and Poch hasn't been the greatest for um, uh, PSG either. I know they're winning their league and they're top of their Champions League at the moment. But... There's a lot of rumours there for obvious reasons because he's not getting the best out of those players and he's not getting the best out of the system that he's employed there. So, to be fair, we've got the better manager. We've always wanted a world-class winner. We've got that in Conte. And I think it's time to move on now, man, and focus on what we need to do with Conte at the helm. Well, this is it, Ryan. Surely the cult of personality is not healthy for the club which is trying to go forward under a new manager. You can't still be pining to Paris and thinking, oh, what if, like... You just need to get on with the task in hand, and that surely is universally backing the manager. Yeah, I mean, Pat's just took the words right out of my mouth. It's if we need to be more ruthless with players, and we've got to do the same with the managers. We cannot. I mean, I loved our time under Pochettino. We he got he got us to a place where the football was brilliant. It was we got to see the Moussa Dembele's, the Christian Eriksen's play exceptional football. We saw Harry Kane come through, take the football world by storm, a young Daddy Ale, but it didn't work out. He went when he had to go because the football declined. We weren't getting the results and we were falling down the table. So the Pochettino era was done. There's no need. I couldn't care less if he went to Man United because I'm not a Man United fan. I'm not interested in what Man U do. I'm not interested in my new hire, none of that. We've got one of the best managers in world football now. So if Pochettino ends up at Old Trafford, then so be it. That's fine. It's just hopefully another manager that Conte beats when he next plays him. That's that's the only way I see it now. Whichever manager comes into the Premier League, whoever we play at the weekend, I just see it as our manager, Antonio Conte, outthinking their manager, better tactics, and the, the guy that we want. Like I I have always said I do see Pochettino coming back to the club one day, but that day's not yet, so I couldn't I couldn't give two hoots where he goes or what he does to be honest. Well I guess Tanya the viewpoint might be different if we still had Nuno in charge and Poch was circulating around a Manchester United job. You'd be thinking, what are we doing? Go and get him. But we don't need that viewpoint anymore, don't do we? We've got a great manager. As I say, you know, let's just leave the past in the past. Football has a habit of coming full circle in the end, and whether managers should go back is another argument. But we might not need him to come back because we might go on to great things under our current boss. 
Honestly, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I had to tweet about it today because the amount of Spurs fans on the timeline that are just crying their eyes at, oh, Poch, he's a traitor. I mean, how is he a traitor? Man United isn't, they're not even our rivals. And also, we just have to close the chapter on it. I love Poch. I love what he did for us. You know, he, he gave me the best moments of my life as a Spurs fan, getting us to that Champions League final. But at the end of the day, the facts are Conte is a world-class manager. And like Pat said, you know, if United could choose between Conte and Poch, I'm pretty sure they'd pick Conte. So for me, we just need to move on from it. And I think I think in a lot of ways it's it's disrespectful to Conte. Yeah. You know, we've we've got a world-class manager and their Spurs fans are still going on about Poch. I mean, for goodness sake, like we're actually acting a bit spoiled. I think Poch. In my opinion, if I was him, I, I would stay at PSG. I, I worry for him at United. But as Ryan said, I, I couldn't care less at the end of the day. I wish him all the best if he does go there. But, you know, if we happen to play Man United, I'm Team Conte all the way. I'm not going to be looking over my shoulder thinking, oh, no, we're playing Poch. You know, I don't, wanna, I don't want us to beat us. No, we, we've just got to move on from it now. And I couldn't be more happy that we have Conte. But... Yeah, I just think some fans, we, we live in the past too much and Pat's alluded to it already. We're just far too sentimental and we can't forget under Poch, things were quite bad towards the end. And we have to admit it and say, in my opinion anyway, it was right for him to go. I think, you know, players were just not buying into his philosophy anymore and he needed to move on. So, yeah, love Poch for my heart, but. Antonio is at the helm, so let's focus on that. <laughs> Absolutely, excellently put. What we won't have on this show is sentiment. We don't want it. We're always looking to the future. No. <laughs> Absolutely, right. Talking of the future, we've hit the now, we've hit full time. So before I wrap up, I need to thank my three Pod Squad members for this evening. Tanya, a cracking debut. I hope you enjoyed that one. I would like to join us sometime soon. Oh, absolutely. It's been brilliant to come on the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure to chat Spurs with Ryan and Pat as well. So, yeah, no, absolutely happy to come on again. It's been great. Thank you so much. Ryan, thanks for your time again this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yes, as always, Dan, thank you for having me on. Thank you for signing me on a uh, permanent transfer. The negotiations weren't that hard. We got there in the end. (laughs) Uh, Always good to be with the brother, Pat. And the lady like Tanya, who I uh, call the queen of Tottenham Twitter. Oh. <laughs> there you go. That's quite the tag, Tanya. You're going to have to live up to that one. But, Patrick, also, thank you for running the channels this evening. Wearing that captain's armband. Excellent work, as always. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. And I just want to touch on one more thing. You know, Tottenham are trying to be a big club now, bringing in Conte. Us as fans also need to act like a big club and have that big club mentality. Because when Conte went to Chelsea, uh, sorry, when Conte came from Chelsea to Tottenham, you didn't really see Chelsea fans crying about it. They just get on with it. Mm. That's what we need to do now. If we're trying to be a big club on and off the pitch, the, the fans also need to buy into that mentality. All this crying about Pochettino, come on, man. We need to man up and woman up and get on with it. But yeah, um, <laughs> other, than, other than that, and we ranting about stuff like that, it's always a pleasure. Tans... Wonderful, as always. Ryan, you're my bro. Dan, it's always a pleasure, man. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, long may our run continue. What on a winning streak, baby. Let's go. Absolutely. absolutely. See, look, Spurs fans, you made Patrick angry. And Patrick's never angry. So, look what you've done to him. <laughs> right? So, listen to those words. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, 
Come on, you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.